Welcome to Meet the Chef, Jamie Oliver at the Apple Store, Kfirstendam in Berlin. And please welcome our guest moderator, Louisa Weiss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Apple Store. It's um, a huge honor to be here um, for this conversation with Jamie Oliver today. He's been an inspiration to me and to so many people all over the world for the past decade. Jamie is a true global phenomenon, and he's come a long way since his first days as the Naked Chef. His 15 best-selling cookbooks have sold over 34 million copies worldwide and have been translated into over 50 languages. His television shows are broadcast in over 100 countries, and his 43 restaurants are located in places like Russia, Turkey, Dubai, and Australia, as well as his home country of England, of course. And for the past eight years, he has been at the forefront of a global campaign to bring better food to our world's schools, to bring the art of cooking back into our homes, and to combat obesity through cooking and celebrating culinary culture of all kinds. Jamie won the TED Prize in 2010 for his work on the food revolution and was made a member of the most excellent order of the British Empire for his service to the country. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jamie Oliver. Hi, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> nice to see you guys. Thank you. What a lovely welcome. Thank you for coming. I didn't know if anyone would turn up. <laughs> Berlin loves Jamie. Um, so before I get to my first question, yep. um, we wanted to show a little clip about the food revolution cool. to start to get everybody warmed up. Imagine a world where any person had the same access to a happy, healthy, long life, rich or poor, regardless of race or religion. Where children were fed real food at school and it was nutritious where real food was as readily available as junk. It's easier to get a gun, crack, or a prostitute in a lot of areas in Los Angeles before you can get a tomato. Who knows what this is? Oh, no. That is the only veg. Well, she's not healthy. She's been in twice for a tea taken out because they've rotted, her, they've gone bad. I need you to know that this is going to kill your children early. Yeah, we're talking about 10, 13, 14 years off their life. Yeah. On the planet at the moment, or certainly one of the biggest killers, is diet-related disease. Um, and the most disgusting thing about it is it's preventable. See, he's showing some signs already, so it's very likely that he will develop diabetes if he doesn't have it already. We don't want to sit around and eat lettuce all day. I'm talking about a seed of change. For the last seven years, I've worked fairly tirelessly to uh, save lives in my own way. I'm a chef. I use information, education, Hi, kids. Hey! I'm going to go to my little friend at the back who I went to see the other day. Tomato. Brilliant. Yeah, lashy. That's the first thing I've ever cooked in my life. Is it the first time you picked up a pan? Yes. This is my first time cooking ever. When you empower a community, even the bad guys start becoming good. Uh, McDonald's is announcing that it's no longer going to use something that's called a pink slime. Last week, McDonald's announced it's no longer using the controversial beef. I never grew up thinking that I'd be having conversation with the Obamas and, and going to number 10 Downing Street. I never thought that was me. The money's there, the plan's there. It's time to stop talking and put your money where you're supposed to. It started off not in food, but with young people, giving young people opportunities. And it went from a 17, 18 year old kid with no direction to running a restaurant. Be ready to lose it. Look at yourself, look at your family. What can you do to inspire education, inspire change? We're planning a big picnic. Having some chef demonstrations in some of the classrooms. Go local, yep. get fresh ingredients, and cook. Oh! 
there, I'm Hugh Jackman. Hi, I'm Kevin Spacey. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm Michael Pollan. I'm Jessica Ennis. I'm Kat Dealey and I support Food Revolution Day. Join the revolution. To me, what I've done today is probably the biggest thing I've ever done in my life. It tastes really good. I love it. Oh, It's quite, I, I've never actually seen that video before, so it's quite weird looking at your own life <laughs> and seeing it cut in that way, because it, to me it seems like one continuous, quite long journey, but to see it in five minutes is quite scary. Yeah, it's reduced. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, um, let's get started. So that was a really good intro into yeah. the background, sort of the, the, the superficial bit of Food Revolution, but in your own words, what is it? What is Food Revolution? How did you oh, come up with the concept? Well, I, I guess, you know, um, by default of being a celebrity chef, um, not something that I intended to be uh, or wanted to be, um, but I kind of, 10 years ago, having b done it for five years already, um, we were already in sort of, m you know, many countries around the world, um, over 100 countries broadcasting and I think over 50 publishing and it just felt as if as you start co to connect with audiences around the world and um, as an author that's a really powerful thing um, you start to have well, you start to care in a different way I think and I started to notice that actually every country um, whether it was through poverty or obesity there was such a lot in common um, and nothing divided us when it came to education and food education. And that's a really sort of boring word. Um, so my job was, well, how do you make education cool? How do you make like learning to cook really cool, really dynamic, part of the way you are, part of your fashion, part of the way you want to live, part of the way you want to feel, part of the way you want your kids or family or mum or dad or your uni mates or college mates. So we kind of created Food Revolution Day because I wasn't being very focused with all of them. You know, we were doing lots, thousands of different things, but not really bringing it together. And as you saw a little bit on the video, you know, with Food Revolution Day, I mean, I work in it all the time, but it's one day where people from many countries can focus on uh, local issues, but also one sort of collaborative message. Um, and we didn't start it with like sponsors or a big budget or anything. The first year we started it w with literally nothing. It was all social media. And even in our first year, um, you know, we got, you know, I think 500 ambassadors in over 60 countries around the world. And we had like, you know, a thousand events happening on that one day, all kind of coming in through videos, through pictures, social media, you know. Um, and then last, this year was our second year and we sort of grew it even more. So. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's kind of like a, a, a global, how do I like to frame it? It's kind of like, I call it facilitated activism. It's kind of mm -hmm. like, how do, you, how do you, when you're just a mum or just a dad or you're just one person that cares in your local area, it could be Germany, it could be the Philippines, um, it can be quite lonely to make change. You can feel quite disempowered to make change. And if you do care, sometimes... If it's in a school, other parents might look at you like you're some crazy or, you know, that you're wrong and you're a pain in the ass. But actually, when you come together as a community, uh, locally or nationally or in Food Revolution, you can have a, a clearer, stronger voice. So that was the reason for having it on one specific day a year, yeah. which is really smart, because that, that is true. It is lonely to be an activist on your own when you've got the power of the crowd. And it allows people to still be as independent as they've ever been, you know, but it also allows people to come together and focus and share. And obviously, creating noise and sharing, and I think, you know, I'm sure you're all aware that now more than ever with politics, uh, global politics, local politics, you know, social media and engaging the unengaged, that has the most potential, and I think that's really exciting. Absolutely. 
Um, so you said something like 60 countries have had have hosted food revolution events. Yeah, I think this year was 80. Wow. Um, which is you know doing good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'd like to do better, <laughs> but um, don't we always? Um, and when we've got every country in the world, we'll be looking at the moon. <laughs> um, we'll want to go elsewhere. Um, what are some of the successes and also challenges that you've heard or seen of sort of in the field as people have gone around doing events for Food Revolution Day? Um, on successes, it's a really... Like, I'm quite an impatient person. You know, I was a hyperactive kid. Um, you know, I like satisfaction that's really quick. And um, I, this sounds really hippie now, but I started, I started growing my vegetable patch uh, and my garden about 12 years ago. And weirdly, that taught me to be patient. It taught me to be patient with putting something in the ground and waiting, maybe for that season or for many, many years. And, and um, it's got nothing to do, but everything to do with the way I look at food revolution. Like, it's the, actually everything that I do. Like, sometimes I do an event, and people are always trying to measure me on that event. And what I try and do is have a really big picture. So I think I know that when you have many, many people sharing and talking on social media, on TV shows, in newspapers, in magazines, uh, radio, when, when people are having the conversation, uh, and when that becomes more prolific, when there's more conversations happening about all sorts of things about what we eat and what we grow and how we do it, um, good stuff happens. You know, you do not get McDonald's to change unless it's, you know, these big companies around the world, they are expert in the future. They're expert in protecting their business. And the most powerful thing, sadly, in the world is still the pound, the dollar, the euro, you know. And if you can kind of communicate with people where they think that the people, or they know the people, are going to expect more. I mean, a lot of people say, well, what do you do? What I try and do is just get people to expect more. And when people expect more, when communities expect more, even the bad, even the bad guys start getting good. And, you know, I think McDonald's is an interesting one because McDonald's in the UK have done massive work in the last seven years and America really hasn't moved at all. Mm. So, you know, if it wasn't the organic milk industry in the UK probably wouldn't exist if it wasn't for McDonald's. So free-range eggs, 100%. So when you get big institutions like that changing, that filters all the way through the others. Um, and of course, from the other direction, we've got the single people, the farmers markets, you know, the butcher shops, the artisan people, and you want that to come up as well. So in my own weird little head, I think that Britain and many countries around the world are kind of going through a rebalance right now. You know, we've, we kind of, it's not, you don't have to be that clever to make things really cheap and really shit, you know? It's, that, you know, and um, it's not that clever. But making something good that's good value, and what does, va what does value mean, by the way? Mm -hmm. Is it cheap or is it, that is amazing for that. So I think, certainly in England, I feel that the, the small people are resurging, the farmer's market are resurging vastly, and then the big guys are kind of, they seem to be massively, well, I know that they're massively changing how they operate and how they treat people. It ain't perfect, but it's got so much better in the last 10 years. Well, that actually leads me into my next question, which is that um, Germany doesn't necessarily face the same um, nutritional problems that the US or the UK does, for example. Um, so what are some of the lessons that food revolution can hold for a country that doesn't have a specific obesity problem? Germany has a, a prolific problem with diet-related disease. So Germany is not by any means in the clear at all. Four years ago, they were the worst in Europe. They have, there's been some good change. Um, it, it's for people that know, um, diet, you know, anything that affects public change in health um, is as important today in Germany as it was five years ago. Mm -hmm. So I, th I don't quite agree that they're in the clear. And also, what does the clear look like? Um, but I think, um, I think America, is, uh, America certainly is, is a good picture of what the future could look like 
health-wise if we don't pay attention. Mm-hmm. Humans are quite, we're quite good at not, look, you know, we've got like a thousand, a thousand years of fairly good history, you know, um, 500 years of amazing history written, and we don't, <laughs> we don't always learn from what we've learned in the past about the way communities change and move, but I think, um, I think uh, 92% of deaths in Germany are, you know, NCDs, they're non-communicable, you know, they're, they're diet-related diseases, so I think it's a very relevant, you know, very relevant problem, and I think, um, and I think in some respects, people in Europe look to Germany for sort of, you know, you know, I think we look at to Germany as having very clever minds mm-hmm. and being quite structured and professional and make great cars <laughs> and <laughs> discipline a great sausage. Um, <laughs> um, but I think you know, I think um, in some respects. You know, I think when you get to a government level, everyone's looking at other countries to see who's doing what best. Um, so, but I think there's always more. That Germany can, be done. can take a leadership role, is what you're. Maybe uh, well, I think if you talk to people that are in the mix in Germany, they're not particularly happy. Mm-hmm. You know, they want much more progress. Mm-hmm. Um, hence the dinner that we're having tonight, mm-hmm. which is all about bringing together influential Germans to see what does that look like and. How can we share? Right, fertile um, ground. Yeah, and how can we share? I think share, collaboration you know, is a word that we hear all the time now in social media and YouTube and all that sort of stuff. But you'd be amazed how many companies don't share amongst their own staff, let alone different companies and different countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so that's really important. Well, actually, our neighbors to the south um, have a great food culture, the Austrians. And um, we've got two people here today, Marco and Matthias, who um, did an amazing little film about yeah. food revolution. They're, well, they're food revolution. We have ambassadors. So <laughs> we, I think we're like seven, 800 ambassadors around the world for Food Revolution Day now. And the boys are our ambassadors um, uh, from Austria. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, well, we're going to see the video and you're going to see what it's like to get busy on on Food Revolution Day. Okay, so let's roll that clip, show everybody. Food, 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 I love to eat food, 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 always a treat. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and snack time in between. Fruit, 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 and vegetables, fruit, fruit, vegetables they make me healthy and give me energy apples bananas cucumbers carrots are so yummy 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 oh my tummy potato tomato peas pepper squash and celery Do you guys want to talk really quickly? How did you come up with the idea for your Food Revolution event? What was it exactly? Tell us a little bit about how that came about. Um, just so you guys know, um, there is kind of no brief as an ambassador. There's no, the brief is to connect with the community, kids, uh, businesses, um, in schools, in businesses, in the town squares. So there is no brief apart from get out there and connect and make a difference and spread the word. So. Yeah, tell us, tell us how you got to where you did, guys. It was like, in the start, we didn't know what we have to do because you said, like, there's no real framework to do. Um, and there w- we spent, like, three months just thinking and thinking, and then we realized it's only four months until the, the Food Revolution Day, and we still haven't got anything. Then we heard, finally, about the, the, the Schnibbel Disco in Berlin. It's from the Slow Food Berlin. We thought this... Um, 
kind of event is the perfect event we could use in Vienna because we don't like the people who point fingers and say you don't ha you have to eat like this and this. We want to have a celebration about real food, and we wanted to focus on kids. So we adapted the concept uh, for kids. We made badges, uh, so there were many stations. There were DJ was a DJ, and kids could earn um, points for 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 example cutting up fruits, um, distributing salads, and everything. Yeah. And your partner there, you, you work together on it. Um, do you always do your stuff together? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we are like working together since uh, a few years ago, but we also have an amazing team there back then. Um, so we, we couldn't do that al alone because it was really, I mean, it was really hard work, but uh, we both agreed that it, at, at the end it was it was so good that the reaction from the schools, they, they called me next day and said. Because you basically hey, phoned up a whole load of the local schools, didn't you? Pun? You phoned all the yeah, local yeah, schools. Yeah, we phoned because the ne it was a holiday and it was very hard to, to get the schools there. And we, they don't, they didn't know us then, and they were a little ah, uh, we don't know. And but it, as I said, at the end they they called us. Hey, that was so good. We have to, to go on with this mm. this kind of events. First year is always the hardest. Yeah, we, so. <laughs> we like called 150 schools and a lot of businesses to support us. It was really hard because nobody knew us. We were just two students wanted to do yeah, something. Yeah, can I ask how old are you guys? I'm 24. And I'm 27. Yeah. And, and so for the next upcoming Food Revolution Day, do you have now a bunch of schools that are, you know, on board? To yeah, we got like the schools from last year. They want to participate again. We don't have really concrete plans, but the, the, we have a, a rough idea. It's, we tried to make an even bigger disco salad. We applied for the Guinness Book of World Records. We want to make the <laughs> biggest man. disco salad in the world. And uh, the center will be the, the schools from last year, and we want to, them to teach other people how to celebrate a disco salad. Yeah, we also want to go on with, with events during the year to work with the schools, really to, to change in the schools something too, like that the, the kids can, can do their, on the, uh, their food on their own. So we want to include them more, not to telling them what to do, to telling what them what to eat. They really should. Uh, do something by them, themselves because uh, our story is like we when we were young we weren't really interesting in, in food and, and healthy stuff and we weren't able to cook a few years ago so we, we really come from that from that side and we and we thought okay when, when we can learn that when we, then everybody can and yeah that's it's like this the uh, what we learn from the kids is like this childlike attitude like Kids just, just try out new things, they're curious, they want to learn stuff. Mm. And it's like this attitude which brought us here today and which is really great. We want to share that, stop overthinking and over-talking everything. Just do, try out new things, go in the kitchen, start cooking even if you can't. Making cooking too. cool, man, that's yeah, the thing. Exactly. Making it available, making it cool. Yeah. Thank you very yeah. much, guys. I mean, I think this is a... Amazing. This is... And... For, for me, I mean, I, I guess this is the sort of general conversation, but what I love about it is that uh, Food Revolution Day has the capacity to tap into sort of the youth, uh, but also, you know, we had events going on in Germany, uh, you know, South Africa, Sierra Leone, Philippines. I mean, we had so many countries involved. And what's beautiful is when you get the pictures coming in of all these different kids and old men and mamas and, and cooking and, and just an apple or a lemon, different shapes and sizes in every country and all the different faces. It becomes such a beautiful thing. And yeah. I think, you know, even when you kind of um, look at, you know, some of the work that I've done in, in Soweto in, in, in the shanties, you know, just the way when I was doing the school dinners campaign in Britain, you know, I'd had a, about a year and a half of quite depressing work, to be honest. Um, and... Um, the, f the school food, uh, 190 days of the year, from the age of four to 18, it was, n it was really, if you think junk food is bad, it was way lower than yeah, that. Um, but I went to uh, Soweto to this um, orphanage, 100 kids, all these, sadly, all these kids had, had AIDS, um, and there was not much to the building at all. Um, and at 11, uh, 10.30, these two, three women came in, holding this massive cabbage, some carrots, onions, and celery, and just a little bit of meat. And I swear to God, they made the best school dinners that I'd seen in a year and a half. So I'd kind of come from this country that was supposed to be, uh, I don't know, a, a first world country. Uh, and I was in the shanty towns of Soweto, seeing them do a better job mm -hmm. of what we were failing at. Uh, and it, for me, that was a really interesting moment to sort of consider. 
it was about real food and yeah. um and every child got so involved um so that's what we try and do every year. Yeah, that's it's amazing. It's such a great concept. Um, it's actually my next question is that the food revolution is about reforming school lunches, obviously. Part but of it, yes. Part of it, but it's also about bringing back the art of cooking and sort of teaching children, um, teaching children, but also teaching parents to cook and um, and sort of make cooking a part of the family life. How do you get people who are so busy working? Um, and have so many other responsibilities, how do you get them to, I don't know, to want to set aside time for that? I think it's, I think it's a really interesting thing. Here, here's the reality of it, and, I, and obviously I don't know you guys, whether you're cooks or great cooks or, or you love food or whatever, but the, the thing is, when you know how to cook, rich or poor, you can nourish yourself and your family in a very delicious way, okay? Uh, some of the very best food I've ever eaten in my life has come from the most financially challenged countries. And the darkest, worst problems happen when you can't cook and you have no money. That's when you get into serious problems. So I think for me, my passion is, um, you know, life is changing. The way we're all working is changing. The, the things we buy and how we buy them is all changing. Um, and I think that's why school for me is a big deal. Um, you know, and how school embraces food education and makes it cool you know in, if I had a wish one wish it would be that every child in the world would leave school at 16 knowing how to cook 10 recipes to save their life you know 10 recipes and know how to shop mm -hmm. know how to budget um, that would be the most incredible gift can you imagine um, and just trying to get politicians to see that as important it's uh, for, for me I mean I'm I'm not a very academic person you know but I do see the national and global costs of obesity. Um, so it's really weird, like in Britain, we're happy to spend billions and billions of pounds, billions of pounds on, on just obesity, and let alone what diet-related disease is. Mm -hmm. um, and we spend that money because we have to. And then we are so, it's so hard to get them to spend 1% of that on food education. And everyone, everyone agrees it's really important. It, you, you'll never meet anyone in politics that doesn't say, I don't want the kids to learn about food. But it's, so it's a really weird time. And then, I, you know, I'm not a great philosopher, but like some part of me thinks sometimes stuff has to get so bad mm -hmm. and so shit that you have to react to it. You know, sometimes the most creative times in any environment is when things are really crap. It's when they're on their way up or they're on the way down. That's those opportunity, golden moments to cut through. So, I mean, I think f for me personally, I think um, schools is a big deal. I mean, even in Germany, when I did the campaign in England, Ger most German schools didn't have a hot lunch set up, but they did have vending machines. And it also became a debate in politics about, well, how do we treat kids? So I think even in Australia, they don't have lunches either, but it became a big political discussion. So I think, again, it's those conversations and what do they, what's okay, what's not okay. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if you go to, I mean, I can only talk about England and America, but if you go to 90% of hospitals in those two countries, it's only junk food available yeah. in the basement. Only. <laughs> it's, it's not, okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> and then actually, if you look at hospital food again, ooh, that ain't too great generally either no. um so we do have a crazy attitude towards yeah but it's it's the the whole prevention well there's, there's a conversation about what happens to yeah. you guys at home but like then there's another conversation about what happens to your grandmother in a home or a hospital or a school mm -hmm. or any civic environment so is it okay for the local government to give permission for 30 fast food crappy fast food joints to be within 100 meters of that high school or secondary school, you know, it, even from a planning permission stage. Right. I mean, my boys over here, you know, like they're trying to do fresh food in their country, but because they're on a little stool, you know, they've got the opposite problem. They've got the government supporting the local restaurants, which is good. But when you get young dudes like this doing lovely fresh food, they're not allowed to go into a public environment and set up a stool. So there's all these crazy laws everywhere. Yeah. Um, but we've got to cut through them.
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a lot of your focus in, um, on the food revolution is on families who need to be taught how to cook, need to be familiarized with fresh produce and how to be economical and healthy. Um, but what about those of us who love to cook already? Um, can we get involved in the food revolution yeah. as well? And what kind of a role can no, we play? No, we need you badly. I mean, I think that's, that's, I think the kind of, by the way, it's our sec it's our, this is our third year on food revolution. Um, we're by no means a slick, well-oiled, super-focused machine. I mean, we're, we're, we're incredibly inspired about how big it's got, how quickly, um, with kind of little resource. Um, we're getting to the stage now, just like these guys, where actually people want to get involved and they want to sponsor and big organisations want to get involved um, around the world, which is, this is new for us. So this is, we want it to be bigger. Mm -hmm. You know, we want it to be in your local supermarket in some way. We want it to be easy to participate. But, um, uh, you know, I think Food Revolution Day in its core is about people that can cook showing someone else. And that could be, I mean, like, you know, we had many, many people... Um, just would have a dinner party for 12 people, you know, cook something fresh and, you know, put $5 in each to go to the Food Revolution Foundation, you know, the charity. Mm -hmm. So that's a way of doing it. There was other people doing stuff in markets. Mm -hmm. There was other people that would rent two buses and take kids from the projects or the, the council estates, or I don't know how to say it in Germany, but mm -hmm. um, they, where there's no sort of green space or vegetables and they take them into the countryside and into the markets um, and teach them how to cook. So there's so many expressions of what you can do, but anyone could do anything. And I guess that's kind of what today's about, really. It's yeah. kind of, you know, we, we definitely want Food Revolution Day 2014 in Germany to really grow and get more ambassadors. And um, currently we've got three in Germany, which is not great, actually. Not, not that um, many. So we need to do You're better. You're taking applications. We, we, we do, but once you get <laughs> over like 20, then it kind of seems to kind of go crazy, so okay. got to get over the hump. Yeah. Um, so with Food Revolution, the third Food Revolution Day coming up, what has crystallized for you? Like what, what are your goals for the third one and what are the sort of the things that you've realized over the past couple of years? I think we want to focus, uh, really focus on kids and schools this year. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, the, the kind of emotions and stories that we're telling they're much clearer and they're much more focused through children. You know, um, the thing is, um, you know, even though diet-related disease is the biggest killer in this country, um, it's it's quite a slow killer. You know, there's no gun, there's no gunfights, there's no sort of, it's not, you know, it's not dramatic. There's no car chase. Um, you know, it's slow and effective and it works brilliantly in rapidly making the end of people's lives pretty crap and killing them 10, 15 years, 10, 15 years before they should have died. Mm -hmm. um, so it's quite hard for us to get people's emotion and get them to care mm -hmm. or give a shit. Because um, there isn't like a headline grab. Well, no. I mean, you know, if, if, even if you think about, you know, uh, the, the cost of the police force and... Uh, policing communities and helicopters and stuff, you know, the, the percentage of people killed through crime and homicide is tiny in comparison to diet-related disease. But we don't have a police force. We don't have helicopters, right. you know. So we're, we're, it's a bizarre. I mean, you know, um, it's, so I think through children, you know, children have a brilliant way of cutting through crap and, and making you feel like there's hope and, um, and they're cute. <laughs> most of the time um, but um, I think so we're going to focus on schools kids and experiences with kids uh, this year uh, and what I'm excited to do is to see that in the growing countries around the world you know coming back to us um, in London we'll, we'll be we'll be um, doing we'll be going live all day and chipping into different countries um, so we're getting a little bit more technologically advanced <laughs> now um, so, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Great. Okay, so I'm going to open it up to the audience. Great. But I actually have one more question before we go, which is um, more of a personal one. At what point, when you started out working in your parents' uh, kitchen at their, mm -hmm. at their pub, and then um, you, you had your television shows and everything, at what point did you decide, 
that now it's time for me to give back. Like I've, I've, I've gotten to a certain point professionally, I've got a responsibility now to sort of turn around and reach out a hand. I think the word is definitely responsibility. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's I think it, it, for me personally, it all, when you get like TV ratings, it's quite a empty measurement, you know? And I think when you're an author um, and you sell lots of books, which I do, and, and that's like still a shock to, I mean, I pinch myself now. Um, uh, when people pick a book up and they feel it and they kind of read a few words and they have to spend money on it, you know, in this country you don't have discounted books, so books are not cheap. You know, it's a proper commitment to something. And when that happens for four, five, ten years, that relationship with the public completely changes. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, uh, and, and also if you're doing it in different countries, and if you're traveling to different countries, your perspective on people, countries, religion, food, challenges, uh, becomes completely changed. And so there's, there's not an hour that goes past when I don't put the public in front of every decision that I make. Mm -hmm. um, and that sounds like a really weird thing to say, but the thing is my job, especially now with Twitter and Facebook and especially Instagram, you know, it's, it's seconds. Yeah. Seconds that I'll get response. On FoodTube, um, you know, we started a channel on, on YouTube uh, this year since January. And, um, you know, you can you test different ways of filming things or telling a story or a different recipe. And people tell you in a second. In, in a second, you know more than what you'd ever know from TV. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's, it is definitely a responsibility. And it also puts me in a bit of a weird position as well because sometimes I'm, I'm arguing with myself every day. Like, what should I do? Like the easy thing is to go always small, artisanal, you know, crafty. Mm -hmm. You know, of course I love all that stuff. That's where my heart is. But the picture and the story I'm telling is massive and global. And like, you know, if you're really passionate about lifting base, you know, base being what is, you know, standard knowledge or standard chicken or standard cooking or standard knowledge in any country. And they're all different. If you really want to shift it up, then sometimes you've got to do stuff that you don't want to do. Um, but, you know, it's definitely a job. <laughs> I think I'll still be doing it when I'm 50 or 60. That's great. I don't think you found your calling. Yeah, I don't know if it's a calling. No? Um, it, I think it seems like it. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's very unemotional. I mean, I, I've done a lot of things that seem like I'm a really nice guy. I don't feel like I'm a nice guy. I think I'm just doing what any of us would do in my situation. You know, I think when you have a platform um, and... Uh, you know, it, it sort of changes the way you make decisions. And uh, when you do one thing, it kind of spirals in. It, it's a completely different journey. Mm -hmm. But I love that about life. I love the way that, I mean, when I started 15 with the students, we've got three restaurants now. One day, I pray we'll have one in Germany. But, um, uh, you know, uh, 350 students have gone through 15 and graduated now. Um, and you start to realize that when you sort of, when you jump into someone's life and fill it, with good stuff, then you let them go again, that path just changes in its own direction. And um, that's a very addictive, a very addictive thing um, to do. I bet. Well, I think we can all agree that you are actually a pretty great person, so <laughs> not gonna get away with that one. Um, all right, so at this point, I think we're gonna open it up to the audience. Um, if you wanna ask a question, raise yeah, your arm Yeah, ask away, anything really you like. <laughs> okay, right there in the, yeah with the black sweater. Come on, Berlin, what you got for me? <laughs> you mentioned that there's going to be a dinner tonight with some influential people. And I would like to know, who are these people? God bless you. Are you a journalist by any chance? <laughs> I'm sorry? Are you a journalist? <laughs> no, no, oh. no, no, no. And um, are you actually going to cook with them or are they just going to eat and going to talk? Is it going to be a political thing or yes. like an active thing? Okay, I'll, I will do my best to answer your question. Um, there, there's a list of... Um, so in my opinion, sort of influential people in public eye, in politics, um, in the food industry, in Germany. I'm not going to say what it is because it's a private event and, they, and it's not being when no journalists are coming in and um, uh, they might not want me to say that they're involved. Um, but yes, um, we are being cooked for by one of your very best uh, Berlin boys. Um, oh, you know it's a boy now. <laughs> um, um, 
And um, it's really, I think the one thing that I've learned in 15 years is um, relationships uh, are really important. And um, I think when you can go into a nice dinner and have open conversation and debate about how it feels to be in that country, in that place, the things they're passionate about, the things they don't like, it's, you never forget, but also it's not like I'm asking anyone for anything. And also, it, hopefully, when we all leave at the end of the day, um, we all feel we could ask each other for something should we need it. So I think relationships and um, collaboration is definitely the key um, to getting stuff done in modern-day democracies, even Germany. Um, so um, big stuff on a government level, these things don't happen by luck, you know. You know, um, if stuff radical ever gets through, it's because there's a load of people that know each other uh, or trust each other enough. And as you know, radical stuff doesn't happen very often in Germany or England or anywhere. So, um, and, uh, so that's what we're trying to do. Just relationships, you know, um, and an open conversation. But they're really interesting, and I think if you want to kind of get... And we've got a real mixture of people, from people that aren't known but really doing great stuff to people that are very known for doing activist stuff and, and et cetera. Okay. Yeah, right here. But yeah. if they're cool with me saying Third who they one. are, tomorrow I'll Instagram all of us <laughs> and say who they are. Hi, it's great to meet you. Thank you for being here. My question... What is the favorite meal you like to cook together with your family? Oh, family. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, okay, all my kids have different answers. Um, so uh, my little boy likes fish pie. Now, you probably don't know what fish pie is, do you? Do you have fish pie in Germany, kind mm -hmm. of? Um, Not really. Um, well, it's good. It's, it's very good. Uh, he's got a real taste for that. Basically, it's kind of like you, f you fry off root vegetables until they're just soft, and then you turn it into a version of a kind of bechamel, but with mustard and uh, a little cheese through it. Uh, and then you just plop mixed pieces of different fish. No bones. No bones. Not for the kids. Uh, um, if you have a bone, you put them off fish for their whole childhood. Um, and then you just have beautifully made mashed potato on top, and then you bake it. And it's proper comfort food. Uh, so my little boy likes that. Um, the girls like anything with pasta, anything from a minestrone to just simple tomato and basil to bolognese, ragus, pestos, uh, all sorts. And the other day, um, uh, uh, now's a good time to do this. This is quite a foodie recipe, but the kids ate it. Um, you just go and in Italy, you have um, the new season's olive oil right now, and you have uh, uh, the cavallonero, the black cabbage, and you simply. And you can do this with any German Savoy cabbage, any green, dark green cabbage or kale. You take it off the sticks, you get boiling water, and you throw the dark cabbage in with a couple of garlic cloves peeled, and you boil it just for two minutes. Then you take it out and don't drain it too much with some water, and you put it in a liquidizer with really good olive oil, and then you put some parmesan through it, and you just put that through pasta. And it's the most crazy, delicious, mental, luminous green looking pasta you've ever seen in your life. Uh, but they ate that. And I never fed that to them until this weekend. Um, so, yeah, they're, pr they're pretty good. You know, they still like the stuff that kids like. Cakes and cakes and cakes and chocolates and ice creams. But my wife is so strict. She's stricter than me. They, they get them. Don't worry, we're not bad. We, <laughs> they get them, but it's... it's, um, it's uh, yeah, when you say yes and when you say no. I've got four kids. My, my house is like a... Is, 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 is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Okay, the red red sweater. Yeah. I need to make that pasta. That it's a delicious awesome. pasta, by the way. You need good extra virgin olive oil, though, cold pressed. Okay. You say olive oil at the moment. Um, sometimes we play a game on the weekend, um, the Jamie Oliver game. Every time you say the word olive oil, we have to drink a tequila. <laughs> you, if you Jesus, you'll be drunk all <laughs> yes. the time. So, so my question is, how many Are olive you speaking oil? on behalf of your family or the German no. community? No, friendship. Uh, some friends of mine. Um, how many olive oil do you, do you use in a, in a, in a, at a show or per day at home? Oh, Christ. It looks, it looks like 10,000 liters. I, I, te I tell you, I, the problem is with me, 
It's because I, one of the oils that I use is a good one. Uh, it has, anything good has a small hole. Um, and when you pour it, it comes out very fine. So it looks like I'm putting a lot in. Like when I, when I use sea salt, I use molden sea salt from near where I was born. And uh, it's, a, it's like a pyramid shape. So it always looks like a lot. But, you know, people always, you put loads of olive oil and everything. Actually, you know, it's, you know, three or four tablespoons here. You know, but I do like olive oil. And, and here's the thing, with, um, with uh, speaking generally, you know, I, I think that Mediterranean diet of, you know, veggies, herbs, olive oils, you know, even red wine, you know, around Crete and, and, and France and Italy, those blue zones where people live are much longer than any people, that, you know, I think olive oil is a massive part of that. Um, but everything in moderation, but I think it's important I have a good olive oil that goes in the cupboard, no light, that, you know, I'll use over months and months and months, which is just for finishing. Then I'll have a much cheaper filtered olive oil uh, for cooking at low temperatures, and then a, a nut oil or a sunflower oil for, for wok frying and stuff like that. So I don't use it for everything. It's like tequilas, but just different olive oils, <laughs> you know. Have you ever done a shot of olive oil? That will sort you out. Yeah. <laughs> With a tequila chaser. <laughs> okay, right here in the front. So I would like to know if you could just w eat one meal for the rest of your life, what oh would it be? God, this is so hard. <laughs> okay, this is like, it's like saying, okay, there's a cliff. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's a mile high and there's sharks at the bottom of the sea. And you've got your four kids at the end of the cliff and you've got to choose one of them. Um, <laughs> it's true! <laughs> I can't choose between my favourite dishes, it's like choosing between my family. Um, there's a lot of you disagreeing with me. <laughs> no mate, it's just a meal, don't worry. Um, I think, um, not for flavour reasons, although I love it, um, probably for nostalgic reasons, uh, um, my mum's roast chicken that she did, you know, every other month, um, or every month um, when we grew up with all the roast potatoes and like 10 veggies from the garden and the gravy and, you know, like sitting around the family with Nan and Grandad and all the kids. So I think if I had one, it's weird, even, even when we do like kids' birthday parties, it's like you always think, well, what do you feed kids at a birthday party? Depending on their age, it's quite challenging. They always love a roast chicken. Yeah, <laughs> they, they always love a roast potato. Um, so um, I think my mama's roast chicken, to be politically correct. Um. Uh. <laughs> okay, so over here on the side. I have heard that uh, a roast goose is our traditional uh, Christmas yes. dish in Germany. And I would like to know if you have any uh, special tips for the German housewives to make uh, their recipe even better or healthier even? Healthier? I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, okay, well fir first of all, like the goose in England and Germany was the original festive meat. Uh, and goose is coming back into fashion now um, in, in Britain as well. This is very exciting. So I started doing it on Christmas, I cook it on Christmas Day also, um, about seven years ago. Uh, and my family, don't want one or the they won't want turkey or they want both so we're we're with both now so what i do i do very simply uh we have 24 people coming for christmas day yes i am doing it before you ask uh, no i don't have the help I, I, it's what i do is i get i ask my sisters and mums and dads uh, to to bring something so my sister comes normally with beautiful cauliflower al forno with cheese and a nice gratin. You know, my mum does an amazing trifle, my dad does Christmas pudding, you know, other sisters bring little other veg dishes and stuff. Me, what I do is get the room ready and I do the turkey and the goose. The goose, and it's all about the day before, the goose I do, I rub it with um, five spice, which is just a nice fragrant um, sort of... Uh, I guess Ottoman-esque sort of tasting uh, selection of spices and I just rub it inside and out, very simple, and I just put it in the oven. I put it in at 170 degrees Celsius for about three and three quarter hours, four hours, and it gets crispy skin and it's just, the meat falls off the bone. And then when it comes out, because I want an easy day the next day, I take the breast and put it in a dish, the breast and put it in the dish, and then the legs, I pull them, like kind of pulled pork, 
and I put that in a little pile and I put a tiny bit of fat just over it and put it in the fridge. And then the next day I reheat it because I'm concentrating on everything else. Uh, and it's beautiful. It's still tender. It's still um, delicious. And it goes crispy on the top because all the skin is on the top. So um, for me, whether you cook it, I mean, obviously it's better on the day. But for, for the, I've got like four kids and then there's another 10 kids. Actually, it's a dreadful day, really, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's, uh, um, but um, yeah, so I, I'm trying to like, I, I also want to be having a little drink and I want to be playing with my kids as well as cooking the dinner. So what, that, what I find, that, and by the way, I put some ginger grated and a clementine, you know clementine? Yeah, up, up the jacksy. Um, uh, jacksy is a technical term for... I think we've, we got the picture. Uh, the cavity. Yes. Um, and that gives it a nice uh, moisture and a nice scent, but very simple. And then all the fat that comes off of it, we put it in little jars with herbs, let it cool down, put it in the fridge. And then over the course of five months, you know, when you do anything, you just take a little bit and it gives you a very savoury flavour, but not too much. As you say, it's, there's a lot of saturated fat there, but goose are beautifully, they sl they're slow growing they're, and, they're, and they're very, very wonderful. It's wonderful meat. Good luck. I hope that helps you. <laughs> All the way in the back, yeah. I'm just a keen follower of your Instagram feed, uh, which I pretty much love. Um, but what I would like to know is, with, you, with all your global appearances and, and all your endorsement deals and all of that, first of all, like, how big is your core staff and how much time is there left for you being daddy and husband, Jamie Oliver? Yeah. Uh, well, since I had Poppy, my eldest daughter, which was like 11 years ago, um, my wife kind of, because I used to work seven days a week in those days, um, and I was very happy, but um, I didn't really have any family responsibilities. Um, she sort of said, look, every weekend is mine. Do what you like Monday to Friday. Every weekend is mine. And she was right, and it was quite hard to start with, but so I've always had the weekends with my kids. Uh, we have very structured holidays. Um, so I kind of think, I feel like a I'm doing an okay job as a dad. I think I'm there and, and active and involved in school and all the usual stuff. Um, I'm also uh, active in lots of areas, whether it's sort of startups and new things and experiments. So we got a bunch of stuff that we do from little design companies that specialize in design, um, artisan bakeries that specialize in sourdough, uh, we got restaurants um, of three or four different uh, types, um, and um, probably between that and my core staff is about 3,000 people, so it's a lot of people. Uh, my kind of core staff, see it's not really core because we've got a production company, basically it's, it's a bit crazy really. Um, I'm a bit of a control freak. So I've always made my own shows for the last 13 years. So we have a production company that goes like that, depending on what's going on. So um, I like design, and I like to see it and feel it. So we've got a design thing. <laughs> so um, there's a lot of us. But really what I try and focus on, to try and answer your question, is um, I try and focus on what I'm good at, which is basically cooking. And it's really my, my restaurant menus and my books, which is really takes up, and, and obviously the programs, but the, the, smoke, the programs is 40 days a year. So I don't, I don't actually film, I don't promote that much, probably three or four days a year, I, probably uh, TV shows about 40 days a year, and then the rest is pretty much focused around restaurants and writing books. Um, I mean, there's other stuff, but that's pretty much what I focus on. So, yeah, it's... it's Easy in one respect, and it's hard in others. I mean, a lot of what I do is about replication. So how do I, if I've got a restaurant in Scotland that's got 120 staff, and you know, I might know the manager and the head chef and the sous chef, but I don't know the other people. Of course I don't, I'm in, I'm in London. Um, so a lot of what I do is more about um, a culture and a, a kind of energy and the way we do things, the way we write things, and the way what we buy and what we do to it. So it's, it's the hardest thing in the world to do, but it's simple. It's like consistency and energy. That's kind of what I think I have to do for my job most days of the week. Um, but I think if you're clear, then 
the restaurants that I have have, you know, they don't have problems. So, but I do a lot of stuff. I do lots of experiments. I do stuff that people don't know about. I do stuff with chefs in different countries, little startups that no one knows that I'm involved in. So I'm quite curious and I'm probably a little bit uh, naive and I like to do things that maybe I shouldn't do and, and I make lots of mistakes. Um, but I think that making mistakes is a really healthy part of making successes. And I don't think people make enough mistakes, actually. It's just a bit painful when it's time and money and effort. But, you know, I'm, I think I'm fairly pleased with where we've got to. But it feels small, but it's massive. It's quite scary. You don't really want to come and see. <laughs> it's, it's, quite, it's like mission control. <laughs> Okay, we only have time for one more question. So, last cool, go one. For it. The girl with the green sweater right here. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. I was pretty surprised to hear that there are only three ambassadors in Germany. Yes. And this is the first thing. The second thing, I do really think that there is a problem with food culture in Germany. And that's why I wanted to ask um, is there a possibility to, or how should we apply if we are interested to become an ambassador? Okay. Um, this is one question. The second one, very short. Uh, we're a small startup and we're only three people, but we really believe that we also can make an impact um, and bring more like cooking back into houses on everyday basis. And um, just wanted to ask, is there a possibility to reach out to you to share with you our idea? Of course. Um, uh, Thank well, you. To answer the last question, um, absolutely. Um, uh, my guys are here today. Um, uh, um, um, give, us, give us your details. Um, there will be uh, a blonde lady that looks like an, where is she? The blonde Louise. Louis, there she is. Look, this poor woman has worked with me for nearly 17 years. <laughs> um, she'll take your card and then we'll communicate. In actual fact, if anyone wants to give cards, that's the person to give it to. Sorry, Louise. <laughs> that's her done for the next hour. Um, uh, I think um, you said you're a small startup. Um, and what are you doing? We are we're making a mobile app for recipe-based shopping. So to help people on an everyday basis to have only three recipes, all under 30 minutes, and to prepare it very easily with step-by-step uh, cooking uh, help and with called? pictures and so what's, on. What's it called? Because you've got a journalist here. It, it is, it is called Captain Cook. Captain Cook. Yeah, so we are And three. where did the name come from? Uh, we just came up with the name because of um, Captain Cook, James Cook, because he was like a big discoverer of, uh, of the seas. And we thought, okay, we could be discoverer of the recipes to make people more experiment with the food and to make them like interested into the food. And you look after it and you moderate this app uh, yourself. Yes. How many recipes on it? Uh, we haven't launched yet, so we are like a small team, three of us, and we are since uh, four and a half months together, since we won Startup Weekend Food Innovation in Berlin. And now we are working with a couple of um, food, um, food bloggers and also chef um, home cooks, like because we think there is also great potential in them. So we are trying to build up this uh, recipe base and yeah. then launch in December. Cool. Well, look, my, my only advice is it's all very new territory. But the one thing is, is um, just the potential for an app is it can be global uh, or any blog or any website. So the, the, the world becomes a very small place, but it's still desperately about local. And I think the more local you are, the more in people's faces you are, the more, you know, it's on websites, you know, you're sharing other people. Mo I mean, most, most for most food organizations on the planet have the worst websites on the planet. So, and, and they're nearly all boring. And so, you know, I think, you know, if you can get any collaborations with other vendors, or do events, bring, sh I mean, it's kind of, it's, this is the kind of stuff that we're talking about when you can, you know, going out and finding a couple of local chefs or a beautiful cook or a craftsperson or someone that specializes, someone that's got love in their eyes and can show 30 people how to, to do something, if you can do that for a year, it will, it will grow. I mean, here's the thing. All I can tell you is in Australia, England, and America, we have little cooking centers in areas of poor health and often uh, not areas of great wealth at all. Uh, they're really, really busy, right? They're like full, okay? And that means that the appetite for learning is massive. Um, so when you look at the whole community of all classes and of money, not money, 
it, it still becomes relevant. So I think, you know, we're all very busy, but if it's fun, it will grow and it will be wonderful. And we need, you know, young, clever people like yourself to come together. And, and uh, you know what's really funny? Sometimes you can have the most amazing chefs or people in the industry that are genius, but they don't understand this new technology. And they need to be, they need to be uh, corralled and narrated and introduced into how to do it. So good luck, and I hope you, and I hope you do it. Did I answer your first question? Yeah, what was the a food ambassador, okay. Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Neil, but you just go to um, uh, foodrevolution.com. Sorry, say it again. Foodrevolutionday.com. Foodrevolutionday.com. Um, and it's all geared up for talking to people from all around the world. Um, and there's different ways that you can come and get involved. Uh, and really, really what we do is try and facilitate you guys and then get all the information and share it to you guys. So we do a whole range of things from ideas of what to do and how you can do it to little toolkits that you can take to a business, to a school. So there's a whole bunch of stuff there. If you go there, foodrevolutionday.com, and uh, it should look after you. Great. Thank you so much, Jamie. Yeah. Um, thank you to Apple. Thank you to all of you who came. Um, this was really wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's re um, I really appreciate you guys must be busy, and, and it's uh, really nice uh, to talk to you guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.